You are listening to The Airing Cupboard, the podcast where the extraordinary stories of ordinary people get an airing. Phew, that's a mouthful. So welcome back to The Airing Cupboard. It's been quite a while since we last heard from you. But today I believe we've got something quite special. A Christmas special, perhaps. Yeah, so we're very close to Christmas now. Um, I have been um, sadly taken away from the airing cupboard doing some mundane things that have to be done. And um, I've been painting the house. Exciting. Yeah, not, not very exciting at all, but it has to be done. But while I'm painting, you know, all the stories that I'm being given, stories that are here, I mull, mull over them and I'm quite excited to be starting again end of the winter, early spring and uh, start voicing all those stories again. So today, as I promised, I have a story. I called it the little Christmas special, but really it's a, it's a special story from a, a special lady. The woman in this story is in her 50s now and these events took place a few years ago. So I will not use the protagonist's real name today, but instead I will use the nickname by which her mother used to call her. And that nickname was Bird. Bird, as a green bird, a growing green growth on a plant or on a flower. Bird, as the promise of a blossom, new life, promise of growth. Bud, as the promise of the woman she would one day grow to be. She feels that her first childhood memory goes back to when she was about two. They are very vague and really they are just memory of a feeling. Looking up at the leaves of a tree dancing over her, the sound of the wind rustling them softly, and the birth of a fly or a bee, the warmth of the sun on her face, and the voice of her mother singing quietly, just close to her, barely laudable, but just there. She doesn't really know where this early memory took place, but she was possibly lying on a blanket or in a pram in a London park. She will never know. But what she does remember is the song that her mother was humming. She now knows that it was an Icelandic lullaby. Her mother was often singing it to her as a child in these mysterious songs that the Icelandic language has. Sometimes it's sweet and mellow, sometimes it's jolly and cheerful or even intense and powerful. Her mother never spoke Icelandic to her, only English. But when she sang to her, it was always in a mother tongue. And Bud remembers all those embraces in her early childhood, against her mother's chest, the feel of her hand in her hair, and the singing that she heard straight from her chest, nestled against her mum's throat, and the vibration of the song reaching her own heart 
before the sound could even reach her ears. Like a big sound drum. She had grown up with her mum only. There had um, never been any mention of her father during those early years. And somehow, that hadn't seemed strange to the small child that she was. Just her and her mum in a perfect, contented symbiosis. She remembers having to move often. New flats, new rooms, never a lot of space. She remembers playing on the big double bed they were sharing, while her mother would be busy writing in her notebook. And she would ask, What are you doing, Mama? And her mother would look up, her blue eyes vibrant with love and life. I am writing to you, Elsken. I think Elsken means darling, or my love, for what she said. I'm writing to you, Elsken, so that you can read about it when you are a big girl, when you are a woman. But what are you writing about, Mama? I am writing about us and life before you and love, and I'm writing about following your heart. And she would drop the notebook and the pen on the patchwork throw and pull Bud into her arm, and she would flatten the palm of her hand onto her daughter's little chest, softly pressing onto her heart, and she would say, Always follow your heart, Elskan. That is where happiness lies. Always follow your heart. And Bud would cover her mother's hand with hers, and would repeat, After her, always follow my heart. Bud was mesmerized by her mother's notebook, and she was desperate to um, be able to read all that was written in there. The cover was so colorful, mainly yellows and oranges, but in its center there was a picture of an elephant. And the elephant was all sparkling. Maybe her mother had brought it back from India or Nepal, She was often speaking of those faraway countries. And when she spoke, her voice trailed the wonders, scents and images of mysterious and fantastic places. The coughing started just after Bud's fourth birthday. She remembers it well, as one day the neighbor banged so hard on the thin wall to ask for silence that the peacock feather that Bert had just received fell down onto the bed and her mother would cough into a pillow to damper the sound. And she remembers some blood ones on the turquoise pillowcase. Quickly, her condition deteriorated. She was very tired. That time, the elephant notebook was always out and she wrote in it even more and she pulled her to her chest often and flattened her hand on Butch's chest. Always follow your heart, Elskan. They didn't go anywhere. 
they were just quiet together in the apartment. The peace was sometimes interrupted by the arrival of some nice ladies who would arrive with some food and they would speak softly to her mum and they would ask kind questions to Bud. They smiled a lot. And those ladies too had notebooks. Different type of notebooks, some that closed with rubber bands. And they wrote a lot. They came often and Bud liked them. Her mother liked them too. Weirdly, Bud doesn't remember the day she left the apartment. She remembers staying away for some periods of time and coming back, but she doesn't remember the day she left properly, the day she left her mother behind her, her Icelandic songs, her elephant notebook, the warmth of her hands, the tenderness of her embraces. It is all a blur in the memory of the four-and-a-half-year-old that she was at the time. Strangely, the only thing that came with her was the patchwork throw that was on their bed. And she often wondered if her mother had been called without it. Her mother died quietly in a London hospital in April 1970. In the file that she was given years later, Bud read that she had died of cancer. There was no other family and so the child went into care. She didn't go into a home, she went straight to a foster family. And there, she struck gold. What a family. She slipped into their life as the fifth and youngest child. Her newfound siblings, two brothers and two sisters, adopted her as if she had always been part of the tribe. She shared the games and their rooms. She shared their bath. And as years passed, she shared their secrets, their friends, their worries and their victories. And just like that, she forgot her previous life. The life in the apartment, her mother, the Icelandic lullabies, and the elephant notebook. The only thing she had, and that she always kept, was a small blanket that her foster mother had made out of the patchwork throw. It had become her comfort blanket. By the time she had become a young adult, it was tired and she kept it hidden in a box, but one small piece had torn away and Bird secretly kept it on her, always, deep in one of her pockets, often in a coat pocket. No one knew, but she did. And when she felt insecure or unsettled, she would dig her hand into her pocket and there she could feel it, communicating some sort of strength and comfort, linking her to who she was. She did very well at school. She came out with very high grades and somehow she found herself enrolled into studying law at one of the top universities. 
She wasn't sure about law. Deep down, she would have rather gone into culinary. Cooking was a real passion for her, and she had flair. But her teachers, her friends, her parents, they all had convinced her that with the aptitudes that she had to study and shine, she really ought to leave the cooking as a hobby and study law instead. And there again, she did very well. She came out with honors. She was employed by a firm almost instantly. But she didn't feel happy for the bird that she was. She somehow felt she had failed to blossom. But she carried on with life as a good little soldier, like a lot of us do. A slight misfit in a life that she wondered how she had come to lead. And that is when she met Tom. He was a friend of Bud's older brother. He was from Norway. She was drawn to him instantly. There was something familiar. His blue eyes full of life and quickly full of love. Around pints of beer, they would often speak about this Scandinavian connection. After all, there was only a sea between Norway and Iceland. And strangely, being with Tom brought her back a little, even if only just a little smidget. It brought her back to her very early childhood. And that felt good. And she found herself speaking about her mother to him often about the elephant notebook that had disappeared with her mother and that she had never managed to read, about her mother's hand pressed on her chest, telling her to follow her heart. Tom came with her to consult her file from social services, but there was very little information that she didn't already know. And then mid-December, they both took a trip to Norway, She felt the Scandinavian wind on her cheeks and she experienced the long nights. And it resonated with her. It felt vibrant and also comforting. And it is during that trip, during one of those long evenings together, that she found herself speaking about work, the law firm, and the fact that she was not happy. A feeling of not being where she should be, of not being who she wanted to be, who she thought she might be. And as they spoke into the night, she heard it deep inside her, a small voice at first, but getting louder and louder in her, her mother's words, follow your heart, Elskan, always follow your heart. That is where happiness lies. And ever so naturally, and easily really, that night, with Tom's tenderness and understanding, she came to the decision that she would pursue a career in cooking. She was going to retrain as a chef. By the time they had come back to England, London was getting dressed for Christmas. Lights were hanging across the streets and shop windows were bursting with colors and shine and glitter. 
Groups were singing chorals in the entrance of the underground. People were jolly and maybe a little drunk, a little louder, coming out of um, office Christmas parties. And it was two days before Christmas. And she had just met up with some friends in a bar in Soho. And she was walking back, taking her time, enjoying the festive atmosphere. She stopped in front of a small restaurant. She knew the place very well. It was one of her favorite. And that's when she saw it. On the restaurant window, a notice. They were looking for a trainee chef. Apprenticeship offered. Apply within. She knew it was mad. She still had to work a notice for the law firm. She hadn't finished researching the different cooking courses on offer. But she felt compelled to push that door and enter the restaurant. It wasn't busy. It was late afternoon. There was a middle-aged woman behind the bar that she had never seen before. Bud inquired about the advert and they started chatting. It was easy to chat with this lady. She wasn't the owner. She advised Bud to leave a detail so that she could pass them on to the owner and they could contact her. So she pulled up a sheet of paper and laid it on the top of the bar between them. She gave Bud a pen and Bud wrote her name and contact details on the white sheet. The lady turned it back and read it. And that is when it happened. She looked at the name on the paper. Bud's name, an unusual name, an Icelandic name, and looked at Bud. Her eyes were interrogating as if they were trying to see something that wasn't yet visible. She asked Bud if this name was the name she had received at birth, which Bud confirmed. And then she asked about her birth mother. Did she remember her? And Bud, with her heart now racing, explained briefly about life in the apartment, the Icelandic lullabies, the coughing, the cancer. And all the while Bud was speaking, the lady was smiling. Her eyes had filled with tears. She had brought her hands to her throat and she simply said, I knew your mother very well. And so she learned that the lady had been an old friend of her mum. They had travelled together. She had met Bud many times as a baby and as a young child and she had visited her mother in hospital when she was so sick and her mother had given her the notebook the elephant notebook she had asked her to pass it on to Bud when she would turn 16 but when years later she asked the social services for Bud's address she was denied access and so she kept it safely she told Bud to come back the next day. She would have the notebook and would give it to her. As they were walking out of the restaurant, the lady called her back and said, Did you know that in Iceland, people give 
each other a book for Christmas and they smile at each other. She would receive her book for Christmas, her present from her mother, all those years later. And so on Christmas Eve, she arrived at the restaurant with Tom and she pushed the door and there on the top of the counter was the elephant notebook waiting for her. She stood still, looking at it, and she felt complete. She took the few steps forward and laid a hand onto the book and softly caressed the elephant. And in her other hand, Tom's warm palm, his fingers intertwined with hers, and deep in her pocket, somewhere, laid a little bit of fabric that felt soft, comforting, and spoke of another time. That Christmas day, she sat like a child at the foot of the decorated tree, with all her family around her, in the bustle of presents opening, brothers and sisters banter, their children squeals, and there, sitting on the floor, oblivious to the happy madness around her, she opened a notebook and read the words of her mother. The lamp is burning low upon my tabletop The snow, the snow is softly falling The air is still in the silence of my room I hear, I hear your voice softly calling If I, if I could only have you near To breathe, to breathe a sigh or two Happy just to hold the hands I love on this winter's night with you. The smoke, smoke is rising in the shadows overhead. My glass, my glass is almost empty. I read, I read again between the lines upon each page the words, the words of love you sent me if I, if I could know Lifting. The morning light 
it steals across my window panes Where webs of snow are drifting If I could only have you near To breathe, to breathe a sigh or two song. Where did you find that? Well, I found it on the website where I find all my music, um, which is a free music archive. And this song is by the Nancys. And I've tried to Google them and I, I haven't found any information about them. I think it's just two girls who did a, a one-off and they posted that, um, that song on the website. I think it's, it's just so fitting for the end of this story. Hmm. What um, I was also wondering about is, um, and I know a few other people have been wondering whether there have been any updates on any other stories that we've had from our previous stories. Oh yeah, yeah, the Three Musketeers, a few people have asked me. I have sent on the 1st of October the link with the story to the Third Musketeer and a lot of our listeners' uh, birthday wishes for him and he was really, really happy. And since then, I have, um, last week actually, I've caught up with the second musketeer around the table and we have decided that we, we will organize a meetup, the three of us together again. It might have to be in the Pyrenees, it might have to be around some Rognon and Vin Rouge, but uh, because obviously the third musketeer still lives in the Pyrenees, um, but it's something that will happen in the future. Great. Yeah, so maybe I do a special recording around the table if we do meet up like mm. that. One for all and all for one. Yeah. On an update on another story is that Charlie's father from the tattoo story, uh, Charlie's father is back in hospital. And so I'm sure that everybody will join me into sending him a lot of energies and I hope that he'll be out for Christmas and enjoy Christmas with his family. Mm. So all the best. Yeah. And. Uh, Happy Christmas to everyone. And happy Christmas to everyone. And happy Christmas to you, too. <laughs> and to you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and until we meet again in the airing cupboards in early springs. 2020. 2020. Goodbye. Goodbye.